It's August 10th, 2023. This is the best of Rook. There. Welcome to episode 278 of Rook. I'm Gianga Meshi. Hello to you from Toronto, from Canada. Salam, Dustan Aziz. Durud Bashama. Hope you are doing well wherever you are tuning in from around the world. We are on our ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. So today's episode is part of a Best of Rook series we are bringing to you for the entire month of August, where we're looking back at some of our favorite interviews over the last three and a half years since we launched, and some of our most moving and entertaining moments, and we're giving them to you. We've curated our faves, and we hope you check out these conversations, especially if you may have missed them the first time, including this one, a special one. Today on the program, she is an icon of Iranian law and history in the last half century, a professor, an author, a celebrated activist for the promotion of democracy. She was one of the first female attorneys to oppose the Islamization of gender relations following the revolution of 1979. Mehrangiza Kaur has been at the epicenter of change, ideas, and tragedy inside Iran and in the diaspora. And she agreed to a very personal interview here in the Rook studio about her life, about experiencing loss, and about lessons learned moving forward. We will bring you Mehrangiza Kar, an interview that is both in English and in Persian in just a moment. We're coming to you on rookmedia.com. That's the website, and it is where you can link to all of our platforms. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, CastBox. If you want to see the visuals while you're listening to Rook, switch over to YouTube right now. And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in English and in Persian, check us out on Telegram. You can be a supporter of this program by going to that website, rookmedia.com and becoming a Rook member by pressing the Support Us button, which will lead you to the Patreon page, and it's where you can subscribe to us for a few dollars a month to become a Rook member and support what we do. Also, you can become a sponsor or advertiser on Rook by emailing us at info at rookmedia.com. We appreciate it. Okay, let's get started. Our guest on the best of Rook today is a leading attorney, a professor, and author. She's also a celebrated activist for the promotion of democracy, the rule of law, and human rights in Iran. Mehrangiza Kar was born in Ahvaz, Iran. She moved to Tehran to study at the Faculty of Law and Political Science at the University of Tehran and graduated with a law degree in 1967. Mehrangiz was one of the first female attorneys to oppose the Islamization of gender relations following the revolution of 79. She became an active public defender in Iran's civil and criminal courts. And in the year 2000, Mehrangiz attended a conference at the Heinrich Boll Institute in Berlin entitled Iran After the Elections. Upon her return to Iran, she was arrested. She was taken to Evin prison and sentenced to four years in jail. Following that 
episode. Since the early 2000s, she relocated to the United States. She has been a Radcliffe Fellow at Harvard University and has served as a fellow at the National Endowment for Democracy, the Woodrow Wilson Center, the American University in Washington, D.C., the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, Columbia University, and the Carr Center for Human Rights Policy at Harvard's John F. Kennedy School of Government. Mehrangiz is the recipient of many international awards, including the 2002 International Human Rights Prize, the 2000 Penn Novib Award, and in 2004, she was honored by Human Rights First. She's also been recognized as a scholar at risk through an international network of universities and colleges working to promote academic freedom and to defend scholars worldwide. She is the author of numerous articles and more than 20 critically acclaimed books, She's a frequent media commentator on events in Iran and was working on three new books at the time of this interview. This is an interview with Mehrangiza Kar in the Rook studio. Here's our conversation. Hello. Hello. And what a pleasure it is to have you here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for doing this. And, you know, we agreed that uh, I'll be asking the questions in English, but however you feel comfortable, including in, in Persian and Farsi, you. if you want to answer. Thank you. Um, it's, it's very difficult preparing for an interview with someone like you. I have to say, you, you've lived such an important and impactful life. Uh, and you have so much to say about politics, about human rights, contemporary issues, history. One barely knows where to start. I thought in this interview we would go a little more personal, your story, Mm -hmm. your feelings, Mm -hmm. and lessons that you have learned and can impart through the wisdom you've gained. Is is that okay? Yeah, of course. You know, let me start by asking you then about the way you divide your life when you look back. Because I've heard you say that there are two Marangis periods, (laughs) before and after the year 2000, which obviously was a very pivotal year, and I mentioned in the introduction what happened to you in 2000. But I'm wondering if there are actually three acts so far. Marangis and her life before 1979, Marangis and her work from 79 to 2000 in Iran, and then the period of the last 20 years predominantly outside of Iran. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that's great. Okay. Then let's go back to the Act 1. And uh, uh, how you became who you are. You were born in Ahvaz in the 1940s. It's where my fa- my family, you know, this on my dad's side was also from. What what um, what kind of kid were you growing up in Ahvaz? I can describe myself at that age. I was very weak, and all the time I was sick. Really? <laughs> yes. You were a sick kid. Uh, yes, and um, allergic, uh, you know, allergic kid. And, uh, but uh, I loved school. I loved learning. Opinionated, buddy. Were you, did you? No, I cannot. In, inside myself, yes, but I was very shy kid. And I never talked loud you know, uh, my thinking about everything or my opinion. Very so, conservative. So in your early teens, for example, in Ahuaz, mm-hmm. you would have never guessed that you would become somebody who people around the world know as a commentator in the media, as a leading attorney, as an outspoken person. No, I could not predict my future. You know, uh, my goal was being a doctor 
<laughs> oh, you're going to be a doctor. Yeah, yeah. It, to please it, the family my, or you were actually well, no, interested? No, no. I, I was actually interested because in uh, high school, I chose Tajribi, Tajribi, like science. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my goal was that. But I thought I had heard that uh, you were interested in literature when you were young. Yeah, literature was my... Uh, passion. Passion. Um, but for my profession in future, uh, I was doing so hard for being a doctor, medical. Pastichod. Concur. Concur. <laughs> oh, Yanni, you didn't get a good enough mark? No, no, I couldn't. Interesting. I, I couldn't. But in uh, law school and political school, uh, I, you know, I found you very good grade. And it was my second choice, not my first choice. So do you still want to be a doctor? Uh, sometimes when I do not have money and every day is like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you look at the family dentist yeah, and yeah. think I made the I'm wrong choice. I'm sorry that yeah. why I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I, but let me, I, I was, where I was going with the opinions thing is that You've become so well-known, not just for your opinions, but the strength of your character and what you fought for over the years. Um, so when you were a kid, you said you had those opinions inside. I mean, what are your earliest memories, Batshik? Well, did you mm-hmm. remember looking at things and going, yeah. that's not right. That shouldn't be happening. Yes. That that woman shouldn't be treated that way or, or whatever it might be. Yes, because, you know, my opinion uh, was very cultural more than political because I couldn't understand what is you know the best uh, public policy or something like that Mm. or what kind of government Uh, I couldn't understand such a thing but we had uh, a situation around ourselves that uh, very uh, I guess culturally so, uh, backward. Culturally, yeah. Um, we, we were living, you know, the center of Ahvaz, and around us, you know, th- those people, they were living, and uh, their opinion to women uh, was terrible. Every week I could understand that a woman or a daughter was killed around us. Wow. You know, when, when uh, we ask who killed her, I heard brother, father, or sometimes uncle, wow. because she was doing something that, uh, that was not uh, traditional, like sexual relation with somebody else, except uh, their husband or sometimes the daughter who they didn't have. Famine, shuma, conservative, budan? No. 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 Familiar man, katipati budan. Namitunam began. I cannot say that my family was very religious. I uh-huh. cannot say my family uh, was uh, like or secular or such a thing. Um, but, you know, nobody was denying Islam. Mm. 
Including your family. Including my, my family, especially my family. Because my mother, if I want to explain that uh, by our language now, I can say my mother was moderate Muslim. Mionero, Islamic Mionero. My grandmom was radical Muslim. Really? <laughs> like... Um, Uh, wow. So what would your grandmother think of you now? Uh, you know, she had not power when uh-huh. my mother was the boss of my family. She had not power. She couldn't uh, ask me hijab by force because my mother was standing and my mother had hijab. But my mother didn't give permission to my grandmom to, you know, to say uh, Mehri should be like that, like this. No, she couldn't do that. You know, I was going to ask you whether you had female role models that shaped you. I remember speaking with Homer Sashar about her early years. And, and she's in Iran around the same time as you growing up, although she was, she was born in Shiraz. And she said it was the strong women in her family that gave her the path and confidence to be a leader as a young woman. Was that true for you? Yeah, it is true. My mother was very powerful and uh, she didn't uh, go to school, modern school, uh, but... Uh, She could read Hafiz, she could read very well Quran, and sometimes without, you know, looking at Hafiz, we could Hafiz as bar. We said that bar, to Hafizash, Hafiz was afraid My mom and my grandmom. And they would somehow sometimes yeah. conflict with yeah. each other. Yeah, conflict with each other. <laughs> One was my mom yes. with Hafiz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. دوستاشن فال بگیرن ببینن سرنوشتشون حال و احوالشون چجوری میشه مادر من قبول میکرد که برای اینا فال حافظ بگیره و بعد خودش ترجمه میکرد حافظ رو یعنی اینکه تفسیر میکرد براشون انترپیتیشن انترپیتیشنی میداد که مثلا مربوط میشد به زندگی اون به احوال اون این یک حوزه قدرت بود اونجا که طبیعتاً فالوور می آورد زنایی که می شدن فالوور و می اومدن نوبت می گرفتن و اون برشون فال میگه قدرت میاره دیگه شما هرچی ارتباطت بیشتر باشه با کامیونیتی قدرتمند میشی خب این زن اینجوری قدرتمند شده بود ولی اینجا می چیزی there's something interesting about that that I, I know of course I'm not the first one to say this and, and there's there's books and books and books written about mm-hmm. this that, that you'd be more familiar with but I've always found there's an interesting paradox in the way we talk about Iran uh, not just in his, historically but even now and uh, the, a patriarchal society mm-hmm. and women being repressed and, and you know women not having the legal power etc and yet when I think of most Iranian families, 
the center of power in the family is usually the mother. The strongest person in the yeah. family is usually yeah, the woman. Yeah. Uh, and it's an interesting yeah. dichotomy. Can yeah. you speak to that? Yeah, my mother was very powerful. And, uh, you know, I can say during the time uh, she was intellectual mm. because uh, she was looking at uh, Iranian daughters and she was saying me and not advising me, but forcing me that you should be in the future prime minister. Wow. And I couldn't understand yeah. what is that, why I, I should be, when I was seven years old, six years old, I couldn't understand what is that. And another uh, woman, my grandmom was استخاره میکرد. استخاره میدونی میخوای بری دکتر بشی میگه بر من استخاره کن بیبی ببین من مثلا این کار بکنم یا نه بعد اون برای مردم استخاره میکرد اونا میومدن اونا که خیلی مسلمون بودن اونایی که دنبال عشق و عاشقی و مثلا شوهرشون حالا رفته بود با یه زن دیگه نمیدونم از این کارا میبرن پیش مادر من اون براشون فالا حافظ میگره پس ببینین دوتاییشون سنتر یه بخشی از کامیونیتی بودن yeah. بنابراین قدرت داشتن در این حال که پول نداشتن ولی یه قدرت ارتباطی داشتن So it wasn't really a surprise that Marangi Zakara ends up going uh, to College of Law and, and Political Science at Tehran University with, that, with the, the strength, strong kind of role models that you had You do that, you graduate in the late 1960s You start working at the Institute of Social Security and you start publishing opinion pieces and advocating for change. What were your, this is pre-revolution, so this is the Shah's yes, time. Yes. Marengiz, what were the main human rights concerns for you in the 1970s, for example, in the years before the revolution? Yeah, years before the revolution, because uh, we could uh, uh, be aware about uh, the events that was uh, happening all over the world, like uh, Vietnam uh, war, war, hippies, Beatles, and some reaction uh, of uh, war policy of Western government, yes. like the United States, like the Europe. And I was reading a lot the history of Iran and the history of some other. and. You cannot believe that Binavoyan, Kitab Binavoyan, Kitabinavoyan, کمک بکنن برای اینکه زبان یاد بگیرم ولی اینا به من یه طرز فکر داد یه سبک زندگی توی مایندم داد حالا هرچند که بیرون از اون ما نمیتونستیم اون پرکتیس کنیم ولی اونو به من داد که خب بینوایان رو چی زیاد فکوس میکنه روی فقر روی این چیزی که بین فقر و ثروت هست خب این چجوری باید منیج بشه که این تغییر بکنه اما من هرگز مارکسیست نشدم 
چون نمیدونم حتی اون مقام فکر میکردم این یه چیز خیلی قشنگه تو ذهن منم شکل گرفته بود ولی هیچ وقت فکر نمیکردم این بتونه عملی بشه اما طرز فکر من به سمت جامعه بی طبقه رفته بود You understood class the class structure from yeah. uh, books and, and Les Miserables etc but, but you weren't necessarily a leftist or a marxist yeah. What did you What did you want to change about Iran at that time, in the late 60s, early 70s, when you were writing opinion pieces? What would you say your focus was? Yeah, I could not believe that a revolution, especially Islamic revolution, could be happened in that uh, country. Uh, probably because uh, we had been very far from Qom mm-hmm. and the history that was... Uh, shaping in Qom and after revolution I could understand what was happening in Qom during the time that we were talking about uh, about women's rights and equality between men and women mm-hmm. when I was reading Kitab Muntaziri Khatirat Muntaziri Ayatollah Muntaziri I could understand that oh We had been very far from realities in Iran. And uh, Khomeini was doing a lot and the best in Qom, not just against Shah, but against us. Hmm. Let me, hang on though, let me get to the revolution. But I'm, I'm still st- stuck on this part that, you know, you're, it's, it's not, no one's anticipating the revolution just yet. Um, but you were... trying to affect change. You were outspoken at that point. What was it that you wanted, what were the kinds of things that you wanted to change about Iran at that point? Before the Inqalab. Okay, okay. If, if you mean in dream, <laughs> I, I was looking for very good uh, change toward democracy. But I don't know why. I could understand that it is not possible pretty soon. And I could understand that just we can, you know, we can see something in the future like uh, englob, uh, like kudetay nizami. Misal, un chizayi ke tuye amerikai latin etifaq miyofzo. Chun ma خیلی زیاد به آمریکایی اتفاقا لاتین نگاه می کردیم تا مثلا به اسلام نمیدونم رادیکال یا یعنی اینتلکتوالی اون موقع به شیلی نگاه میکردن به آرژانتین نگاه میکردن ما نگاهمون اصلا به این سمت نبود خب برای فلسطینیا و به اسرائیل و اینا ما همون تو همون کانسپتی واقعا فکر میکردیم که خب فلسطینی ها مظلومن اسرائیلی ها خونه هاشون رو گرفتن اونجوری هم فکر میکنیم بنابراین من نمیتونم بگم که خیلی فکر منسجم و مشخصی برای تغییر در ایران داشتم Were you happy with Iran in the early 70s مثلا؟ No No, no I was not I was Because not. it wasn't a democracy in the kind of One that was that, and one was something that happened in 1953, the coup yeah, of, uh, against Mossadegh. Yes. Uh, and I guess uh, uh, all shaping our mind, political mind, is coming from that event. It was very important to us, because I was very 
very small, and I was in Tehran with my mom, and I was on the street uh, when everything was changed. Mm -hmm. And I could see the people that today they were saying, Marg bar, uh, bar Shah Zendebad Musaddir, and the other day they were saying, Zendebad Shah Marg bar Musaddir. So some political, some political thing in my mind uh, was clashing each other, and mm -hmm. I could not understand why today they are saying that, and one, uh, the other day they were saying that. I could not, you know, uh, I could not focus such a thing. Did people know you by the 1970s in the public? Would the, would the, the, the Shah's uh, people know that there's this person creating trouble with Marangi Zakhar? <laughs> no, I not, was not very yet. small. Very but small. but it, what, you, you resign from the Institute of Social Security in, uh, in 1977, and you start your legal career. This is a couple of years before the the Engala, before the revolution. Yes. Why did you Why did you resign? Why did you start then your legal yeah, career? Yeah, you know, it was my goal to become a lawyer. Yeah, I educated in law school. I was twenty three years old, mm. but the minimum age for going to bar association and asking for license and. Such a thing, I I was 23, but the age was 25, and that's why I couldn't ah. register for, for everyone or that. just for women. No, no, for, for everyone, everyone. Huh. for everyone. And now it's like that, I okay. think. Uh, but two years, I was <laughs> going uh, and getting a job, and I couldn't stop it because because I had not money enough mm. money you know, to continue and to resign. Uh, but you never thought of going back to Ahvaz. By that point, you're in no, Tehran. Just, and just to visit. Right. Just to visit. To, Marangis, put us on the ground around 1979 when the revolution happened. You're there. You're a lawyer then at this point. Uh, you know, I mean, as you said, no one was anticipating that this was going to become the Islamic revolution that it did. Were you among those intellectuals the majority, in fact, mm -hmm. the, who thought, actually, maybe this is going to be positive. This is going to be a positive change in Iran. Were you advocating for it? Did you want no, this? No, never. Never. And this is some, you know, something negative in my uh, background for revolutionary people. Mm. Because I never followed them. But, of course, I didn't like Shah regime. Uh, and uh, sometimes that uh, Khomeini ordered for Etesabe Matbuat, mm -hmm. I didn't follow him. We didn't care about this order. And that's why the syndica of uh, journalists in Iran, uh, they didn't like my Mozegiri. Uh, yeah, a lot of the you know. intellectuals who would be advocating yeah. for revolution yeah. must have been quite disappointed yeah, yeah. in and you that then. Is, that's why they. Uh, you're not uh -huh. joining us. And yeah, being yeah. And uh, my punishment was uh, writing something against me. Nashriye Dostan, Ki Nashriye Dostan. 
که مال این سندیکا بود بعد منو مثلا تنبیه پانیشمنت یک کسی مثل من این بود که منو به عنوان کسی که تخلف کرده از یک اتصابی با درج در روزنامه اون سندیکا که اون بهترین داکیومنتی شد بعدن برای دادگاه های یا دادگاه یا به هر حال نیروهای امنیتی یا مثلا برای آقای حسین شریعت مداری روزامه کهان که پس من اساسا نیچر زده انقلاب بودم انتای ریولوشن اسلامیک ریولوشن بودم خب این همیشه بود و من هیچ وقت تصور نمی کردم اینقدر این توجه داشته باشن بشه ولی بعدا اکس های بیهجاب من هم که توی مطبوعات دورانش ها موام هم همینقدی بود یه وقتایی که بهش میکنن اون موقع گوگوشی ولی الان دیگه گوگوش اینجوری نیست ماها همون گوگوش موندیم اون خیلی خوشگله و موهای قشنگی داره ولی موهای ما سفید شده But you were one of those people who was caught in the middle then You weren't necessarily a tarifdar shah But because you were also not pro-revolution you were stuck in in with mm-hmm. with nobody because, supporting because, you you know because i could understand that because i think um, i had read very well the history of iran and i could understand that this is something against the mashrute this is something mm-hmm. uh, constitutional revolution yes. of iran uh, i could understand that uh, with khomeini Uh, and following Khomeini, we cannot get something better. But I couldn't believe that اینقدر بد که الان میبینیم. یعنی با اینکه من مخالف بودم و نمیرفتم توی دستجات انقلاب خمینی از بازم اینجا حرف از مادرم بزنم که مادرم یک روز ایستاد و گفت اگر تو دنبال خمینی بری من خودم آتیش میزنم. و بعد که من خندیدم گفتم من نمیرم دنبال خمینی گفت این چادر سرتون میکنه باز من خندیدم you wouldn't believe it no گفت میکنه شما ها آخوند نمیشناسید بنابراین خیلی بودن خیلی بودن ولی زورشون نمیرسید یعنی جو سنگین بود یه اتمسفری بود که اون اتمسفر رو هیچ کس باش کاری نمیتونست بکنه ما هم خطر میکردیم I was at risk the time Well, th- this is, I mean, this is where your second act begins, since I've divided your life into these three <laughs> acts for now. And I, I, you, you've passed your bar exam. You've, you're licensed to practice law. This is before the revolution. But then the revolution happens, and Iran's judiciary is taken over by the clerics, and the whole judicial system changes. How did all of this affect your role as a defense lawyer, and especially as a female attorney? It was very difficult, because I couldn't go... Uh, and talk to judge yeah. because he was not looking at me and just saying what do you want Hohar sister and uh, after two years I could understand how I can talk to them how, how? I how did can you, act how, how did you figure that out you know I said <laughs> <laughs> من رفتم به بار اسوسییشنی که دیگه این بار اسوسییشن بار اسوسییشن نبود دیگه هیئت مدیرش که قبلا الکتد بودن حالا الکتد نبودن همه زندان بودن دیگه ما آفیسی نداشتیم به عنوان بار اسوسییشن که بگیم ما ممبر اونجاییم و 
ولی رفتم به یک سرایداری که اونجا شده بود حالا همه کاره گفتم اسم من بده به دادگاه های کریمینال که من حاضرم برای اونایی که پول ندارن به هر تعدادی کیس قبول کنم این قدم بزرگ من بود و واقعا این میتونه درسی باشه برای زنایی که گرفتار این ماجراهای طالبانی و داعشی تو کشورشون میشن خیلی درس مهمیه از اون به بعد دیگه این قاضی ها با من یه جوری دیگه برخورد کردن و به نظرشون رسید که من یه زن خیلی پولداریم و نیکوکار از طرف دیگه از منم حمالی میکشیدن یعنی سرم سوار میشدن بعد میگفتن چایی برای من تارف میکردن بعد میگفتن میتونیم پرونده رو برای من خلاصی کنیم من حوصله ندارم بخونم میگفتم آره اون وقت من با خوندن پرونده دو تا فایده میبوردم یکی اینکه قاضیه با من دیگه دوست میشد یعنی دوست میشد که راحت باش برابر مینشستم حرف میزنم یکی اینکه من چیزای اسلامی رو از تو این پرونده ها یاد میگرفتم چون میداد من بخونم تنبل بود خلاصه کنم بنابراین من به تدریج اکسپت و رسپکت شدم ولی خیلی سخت بود خیلی that's an amazing story two steps back to think that overnight these قاضی the, the, the judges that you talk about mm-hmm. um, basically go from respecting you to suddenly not respecting you mm-hmm. because you're a woman and now we're in the Islamic revolution uh, mm-hmm. republic etc were they the same judges in some cases that would suddenly change their their the way of acting or was it yes. different people yeah, different you know all judges they were welcome me it is not just that or one judge but all judges they could be happy after this policy does I started. So, so let me, you, you talked a moment ago about your mother mm-hmm. saying to you, you know, they're going to make the hijab compulsory and you, and you guys laughing about it. Come on, that's not actually yeah, going to happen. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you about that. I mean, you have quite famously now been known as one of the first women attorneys to oppose the Islamization of gender relations following the revolution. Set the scene for us in this time when the laws changed. Because, I, I, you know, I remember back to my university thesis on the revolution at, at York University and, and how at first, actually, many feminists believed this was going to be an emancipating change for Iran. There was a, you know, there were, there was, even Khomeini at one point says, oh, I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to advocate for women's rights, etc. What was the atmosphere like when new laws start to get passed, like compulsory hijab, for When that started to happen, how did you deal with that from a legal standpoint? Yeah, I'm sure that you know the first opposition, Tazahurat, in Iran mm-hmm. uh, was making by women. Yes. In Dadgustari, in Kakh Dadgustari. Well, I was one of them, and we were protesting against this matter in یعنی پیسفولی yes. ما شروع کردیم میشه گفت که اولین اعتراضای پیسفولی در ایران بعد از انقلاب رو زنان شروع کردن در سطح کشور هم بود هنوز کسی درست اینو تحقیق و بررسی نکرده hmm. من تا یه حدودی در یک کتابی به نام شورش تا یه حدود کمی اینو گفتم 
ولی انقدر سرکوب و هیوی بود علیه ما که خب به زودی تونستن ما, رو ما تو خونه همون بمونیم نیاییم بیرون و از طرف دیگه همونجور که میدونید به ارحال جمعیت ترادیشنال پیپلی که فالو میکردن خمینی رو خیلی زیاد بود در اون اوائل انقلاب خیلی زیاد بود آمدند و با یک تمی کار کردن Women against women It means that traditional women who were following without any question Khomeini they organized them against us and all the time they were inviting them to come to the street and give a slogan against bihijab against zanane without hijab and after gerogangiri که سفارت امریکا رو رفتن گرفتن دیگه ما شدیم یک سمبل هایی از امریکا یعنی مرگ بر امریکا سمبلش مثلا زنای ماها بودیم که در زمان شاه بیهجاب مدرسه رفته بودیم دانشگاه رفته بودیم کار کرده بودیم پس ما تو دو تا فورس قرار گرفتیم یکی این که میگفتن اگینست اسلامیک ویلیوز شما میخواییم زندگی کنین استایل ضد اسلامی رو داشته باشین با مردم آشرت کنین تو کافه برین سینما برین موسیقی گوش کنین تو پارتیاز با مردم باشین یکی دیگه هم امپریالیزم بود که حالا چپ ها هم با اون مچ شده بودن تا مدت ها و هیچ ایرادی نمی گرفتن پس ما تو دو تا چیز وسط دو تا فشار قرار گرفتیم and when they start passing laws they actually start making it the law که مثلا <laughs> women can't sing women can't, the, the hijab etc was there any institutional way to fight this no or, no. no no institutional no institutional you know and something that was bad during Shah was that we didn't have any independent political party. Because after Mossadegh, Shah couldn't, you know, couldn't accept such a thing. So by the time the revolution happens, there's no, no. levers for any kind of opposition. No, even when there's... no, no. We couldn't, we couldn't organize that because uh, immediately after uh, victory of Islamic uh, revolution, همه جوانای محل رو اینا تبدیل کردن به سولجرای خودشون همه جوانا کمیته درست کردن که همه میترسیدن یعنی بعدم که جنگ شد بلا فاصله همه چیز ترس بود همراه با ترس و مرگ و کشته شدن و دیگه ما اصلا رفتیم حاشیه در مرکز زنای قرار گرفتن که بچه هاشون رو میفرستدن جنگ زن شهید بودن مادر شهید بودن این یعنی زندگی ما دیگه Everything that you had in your young life started to fight for was being taken away at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Y- y- yet, 
you persist in the years after the revolution, you begin writing about the basic principles of justice, human rights, equal rights for women. Your articles are are published in the Women's Monthly Zanon, and Mm -hmm. uh, also by the 1990s, you begin writing a series of books analyzing the various aspects of discrimination against women in Iran. In 1997, you published the book Political Rights of Iranian Women, in which you argue that Iranian women have no legal rights over their own children. Um, Marangis, in this period, I mean, I know that's a long period I've just described there, but in general, what was the reaction to this content that you would put out there in this period, either by the authorities or even by the general public? How did you get away with it, in a sense? I could understand that uh, if we don't be careful, they will kill us, like thousands of people who they were killed during 60, the 60 uh, Iran, 60 to 70. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found a language for criticizing the legal system without, you know, uh, they, they can accuse me as kafir, as murtad, mm-hmm. against Islam. Mm-hmm. How, what was that language? Uh, that language uh, was uh, using of uh, moderate uh, clerics, moderate clerics who they, uh, they were uh, giving us some better interpretation of uh, Islamic text. And sometimes that uh, I was asking them how I can criticize the, the age of masuliyat keifari, criminal age mm-hmm. for women uh, that is nine years old and for men is 15 years old mm-hmm. or the age for marriage or something like that. And they were giving me very good interpretation of Islam. According to that interpretation, I was able to criticize without without accusing as kafir, as mortad. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were saying that in that uh, text, in that uh, rawayat, in that hadith, or something like that, we can change that in our legal system without doing anything against Islam, against Sharia. So this language was much better than law. And the regime believed law- that? No. <laughs> No, the regime didn't believe that. All the time, I was under pressure from Wezarat Etelaat, from Sepahe Pastoran, and all the time they were coming to my office, and in office, they were, you know, investigating about everything, and they were uh, advising that you better be careful, you better don't talk about something like that, something like this. Uh, and they, we, we had been under control, but we could understand their, uh, you know, hmm. Hmm. ممکن یکی بکشی ما مثل اون آدمایی بودیم که وسط میدون جنگ بودیم ولی شمشیر نداشتیم شمشیر ما 
این کارهایی بود که میکردیم مثلا من شمشیرم این بود که برم بگم من, من از آدم های بیپوری دفاع میکنم شمشیر من این بود که بیام بگم آها فلان فقیه اینه گفته But even so at that time as you know better than anyone they were imprisoning people they were executing people yes. for, for almost nothing I mean Shahnush Parsipur was on the show I a know. couple of months ago I, I mean, know Panjda after five times they put I her in know. prison they tortured I her they, and What was she doing? I mean, yeah. she was writing novels. Yeah. She was, so it's, I guess, I mean, this is sort of the obvious question that you, I'm sure you get tired of answering, but but how do you, when in that period, how how were you not afraid uh, to do what you were doing? I was afraid. I was afraid, but my passion was very, you know, powerful and high. And I prefer stay in Iran and don't leave Iran, but I was careful, and I was not, I cannot say that, you know, I was John Dark, and I was <laughs> saying something very bad against the regime, but I was alive, yes. and my voice was heard. And yet, after all of that, it's your attendance at a conference in the year 2000 mm-hmm. that does end you up in in jail which is is quite strange i mean this is april 2000 when you and 16 other prominent reform minded uh, iranian intellectuals and activists attend this conference in berlin mm-hmm. and for speaking at this conference you come back to iran you're arrested right away mm-hmm. and w- what were you charged with yeah, probably uh, because you had not been in iran uh, you cannot touch something that we touched it like Before we do have two genah political genah, Chimish Bengizi fraction. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yes, uh, uh, It was easier for us writing and talking against legal system in Iran. You know why? Because they couldn't accuse us that you are working with our enemy. Yeah, and conservative, when Everything was, you know, in the hand of conservative. And we didn't have something like reformist or moderate or something like that. Yes, they were coming to my office. I was under pressure. Everything like that was happening. You're saying when there's no organized opposition, no. they don't see you as much of a threat. Yes. You're yes. just one person doing, yes, you know. Yes, one person doing. But after that, Uh, they were very afraid. Oh, Mehrang is a car or somebody else. They are, they, they knew that we are like, we are secular, we are anti-revolution, uh, but now we are supporting reform. We are supporting reformists who they, uh, you know, they believe that they are their enemy. So in one night, after one night, We moved from some women who were talking about women's rights or human rights to Islam Taliban, that they said that they are enemies of us, and they want us to leave us with America. This is the fear of this regime, is that we are not Islam Taliban, or all those people who don't want to leave us, کاملا میدونیم مبادا اینا با آمریکا 
یک وقتی مذاکره some kind of organized yes, unit yes. you're you're yes. not free but you you're they're not as concerned about you yes. as if you're part of an yeah, organized yeah yeah but why yeah, was but this conference such a big deal it, it was you know it was organizing by reformist people reformist leaders and when you had the Hanrich Paul قسمت فرهنگی یه دپارتمنت نیویورکی هر چیز فرهنگی حزب سبز آلمان بود حزب سبز آلمان تا اون موقع ماینوریتی بود در نتیجه به عنوان ماینوریتی دائما از ماجوریتی که حاکم بود ایراد میگرفت انتقاد میکرد که چرا با یه حکومتی که میکنوس چون اتفاق افتاده بود در آلمان چرا با حکومتی که میکنوس رو در این کشور چیز کرده شما دیل دارین رابطه دارین رابطه دارین. بعد همین ماینوریتی یهو شد مجوریتی حکومت آلمان رو گرفت <تصفيق> وقتی شد مجوریتی حالا میگشت دنبال یه لجتمسی برای رابطهش رو با ایران همچنان وسیع تر کنه بیشتر کنه از نظر اقتصادی چون اروپا وابسته به ایرانه <تصفيق> در نتیجه این اومدن این, این کنفرانس رو ارگانایز کردن که حالا به افکار پابلیک اپینیون خودشون در آلمان بقبولانن که ایران عوض شده و ایران دیگه تروریست نیست دیگه بیرون از ایران ترور نمیکنه ما هم اصلا اینا رو نمیدونستیم ما رو دعوت کردن و من اولین کنفرانسی بود که نترسیدم و رفتم چون گفتم خب با خودشونه و بعد که توی یه دادگاه به قاضی گفتم آقا چرا انگاه ما رضیت میگنیم ما که با خودتون رفتیم آلمان گوشاش قرمز شد گفت تو با خود ما رفتی تو اینا رو از ما میدونین گفتم خب آره گفت یک دفعه دیگه این حرف رو بزنی پوستتو میکردم پس بنابراین ما افتادیم توی حفره که اصلا خودمون نمیفهمیدیم این حفره چیه یعنی ما با هر چقدر میفهمیدیم که این دو تا جناب با همدیگه مشکل دارن ولی باور نمیکردیم این مشکلشون در این حد باشه که اساسا اینقدر که اینو با رفورمیستا بد بودن شاید میتونم بگم با من بد نبودن اگر که من نرفته بودم دنبال رفورمیستا خیلی پیچیده است ایران میدونی خیلی پیچیده است و you would have known a lot of people who had been put in jail. You would have defended some of the people who would have been put in jail. Uh, what was it like for you going to prison? خب من اصلا زندان نمیدونستم چیه. هیچ وقت زندان نرفته بودم. هیچ وقت نمیخواستم آدم این جور کاری باشم. مثلا خوشم نمیمد که دوست داشتم بمونم کار کنم. وایسم کار کنم. بشینم تو دفترم کار کنم. عقیده نداشتم. برای اینکه مگه اون کسایی که این همه آدم کشتن 
از اول انقلاب کیا بودن اونایی بودن که تو زندانای شاه بودن اون همه شکنجه شده بودن مگه مثلا اون آقایی که لاجوردی زندان ابین بیشترین شکنجه ها رو شده بود و خودش اونجور قاتلی از آب دارم اصلا عقیده نداشتم راستشو بخوای به اینکه آدما وقتی برن زندان آدمای مهمی هن. من اصلا این عقیده رو نداشتم و بنابراین خودم نمیخواستم اینجوری مهم بشم من میخواستم کار کنم و مهم باشم یعنی کار روی صحنه روی استیج بکنم و هیچ چیز مخفی هم نداشتم ولی خب دیگه اینا وقتی جناهی بخوان کار بکنن هر حکومتی که بخواد جناه درون خودشو اپوزیسیون درونی خودشو که اپوزیسیون زده ولایت فقیه که نبود که It was not really yes. anti-Islamic republic Just they were saying that ولی فقیه should be under control by law But you end up in Evin Did you think that you're going to die? Did you, were you terrified were you what what was your reaction yeah, it, was, when... it was not it was not easy after, uh, after two or three days i could understand that uh, they are they are making fake uh, file for my husband more than me yes that was something that i became you know um, scared i want to get to your husband let me just ask you this we, we, when you're in prison The story goes that you were diagnosed with cancer and under pressure from the European Union and the Netherlands, you were released on bail after 53 days to undergo an operation and chemotherapy in, in Iran. Then you end up leaving Iran for the United States around that time. How, how did it happen? Yeah, because I had green card because my brother uh, for a long time was uh, living in the United States. My step a uh, daughter you know was american and they applied for me i had green card since 1996 but why would iran let you go i mean why would the authorities in iran allow you to leave yeah, they well, famously don't let anybody no, no, that they think is right. a problem leave right, right? Yeah. and now I, i i should explain something else for you that i'm sure you don't know You, you cannot touch it. Sometimes they were, you know, they were doing something that, like whitering, that we are lawyer, we have lawyers in Iran, we have female lawyers in Iran, uh, they are talking and you can hear their, their voice, but n- nobody knows that uh, after any interview with BBC or VOA or Uh, writing an article or interviewing uh, at my office with a foreigner uh, reporter. After that, they were coming to my office, right. and, my, uh, and I was under investigation and something. So they let you talk a little bit to use you as some yeah, kind of symbol it, it, it of openness. It was positive for them. Uh-huh. It was positive for them, but it was limited. When we were going to break that limitation, oh, they, they were Do you feel talking. like they used you? Yes. Yes, because when uh, in Berlin, I was saying that reform is not possible. Without having reform in constitution, it was something like red line. 
and I passed that. But up until that point, they were okay for you to be saying these yes. things as a demonstration that we allow dissent. Yes. We allow people to say things. Yes. And look, we have a female yes. lawyer who's without without joining with uh, reform reformist people, without joining like that, going to um, Berlin and talking aloud about Iran. Who you know? Who uh, Bashar Nags carded for مدت 20 سالی که سر کار اومده و موقع 20 سال بود. اینا رو من گفتم these you know are something that I was saying aloud in front seven دوربینای بزرگ خبرگزاریای بزرگ. خب برای اینا دیگه قابل تحمل نبود. When you leave Iran at that point in the early 2000s, then did you think that you might never be able to go back? Did you have a sense of that? No, no. I never. You thought it might that. be a temporary because, trip? Or... Because I was allowed with them. I had uh, a bail, big bail. And uh, I didn't uh, take with myself something, uh, just my m- myself and Azadeh, who was teenager, under Your daughter, yeah. underage, yes. Uh, and I was going to be far from them because I was uh, involved with saraton, with uh, breast cancer, and uh, between six months to one year, not yeah, more. I ask you that because a few months ago, last fall, in our interview that we did about Nasrin Sotudeh, you told me that Nasrin learned from people like you mm-hmm. and Shinin Abadi mm-hmm. to not leave Iran. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I was thinking about that this whole month, knowing that I'm going to get to talk to you and thinking... I mean, I wonder, going back in time, I mean, no one, no one would blame you for wanting to go to the States in the middle of being put in Evin and, and having a young family and, and having breast cancer, et cetera. But going back in time now, would you have made the choice to stay in Iran? Yes. Yes. In, in myself, I think it was wrong to leave Iran even for better treatment or, you know, setting up Azadeh and everything. Because when you leave Iran, mostly uh, they make fabricate, hmm. uh, fabricate file for you. And because they couldn't do that, and I had permission from uh, radical Islamic in revolutionary court and others in uh, conservatives, I was allowed, and uh, I left Iran very legally. And I think it was mistake. And because I was under treatment, a little I was going to be weak. The mm-hmm. medicine, hemotherapy, mm-hmm. uh, radiation, and everything that was around me. And I could not believe that after I leave Iran, they will kidnap my husband and get confession, forced confession against me, morally, politically, spying, and everything that you can, you know, imagine. Well, you you started talking about it there, so I I, want to ask you, I must ask you about your... Your late husband, Siamak, uh, you're writing a book about him as well. or, or Hopefully I, I do that. He, you, so you, 
you were arrested and interrogated in Iran, but you were you were never tortured the way he was. Um, uh, Siamak Porzan, your late husband, was arrested. He was savagely tortured. Why did they go after him so harshly? Uh, you know, he was uh, he was coming from a family that all of them, since Reza Shah, they had been monarchists. So they could not, you know, be comfortable with Siamak. But they didn't know all of them. I say all of them, all of Niruhoye um, Amniati mm-hmm. security uh, forces. Mm-hmm. They didn't know that he is my husband. How did they not know that? Because, because they are not just one, uh, one security uh-huh, center, uh-huh. one security agents. We do have many security agencies because like a country that uh, they do have many, uh, many government, inside government, inside government. So he's got a double strike against him all of a yes. sudden. He's yes. identified with the Pahlavis and the monarchists, mm-hmm. and he's marrying Isakar's husband. Yes. In Berlin conference, they could understand it. And the revolutionary court, they had a very big file from Siamak. And the first step that I passed to office of judge before I can sit, he said, do you know this person? There was a file, blue file, and on the cover was written, Siamak Purzan, Sultanat Talab, monarchist. And he said, are you his wife? And I said, yes. And he was doing like that. So He was nodding. Yeah. So like it was they... the start. It was the start. And he was forcing me that I say, everything in Berlin was organized by Siamak Epurzan. Wow. And I said, no, I cannot say such a thing. My husband didn't do any role in this event. And nobody invited him to Berlin conference. It was their goal for arresting me. And after that, they, you know, in their investigating, all the time they were asking about Siamak, about background of Siamak, about background of uh, Siamak in Hollywood, um, this artist, that artist. And as you know, he was for a while, I think, um, uh, correspondent yeah. of Kahan yeah. uh, newspaper in Hollywood, and it was very, very bad thing in uh, in, in, in his yeah. year, in his year. So you 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 and you come west with Azadeh, mm-hmm. and how do you find out what they're doing with Siamak? After three months, he called us and said that I can understand that somebody is following me and they do have, um, they do have aslahe, weapon. And I can see uh, okay. as... 
حتی نسبت نسبت به اون سیستم باز این کار اینا غیر قانونی بوده و برای اینکه قانونیش بکنن اول یه پرونده مورال برای سیامک درست کردن با یک زنی که در اونجا کار میکرد این اولین برگ پیج پرونده است که بتونن بگیرنش بعد بقیه چیزا رو با فورس کامپیشن ازش گرفتن گفتن حالا یا ما بی این علت که اون زن شوهر داره و نمیدونم تو زن داری از این پرت و پلاهایی که تو قوانینش هست سنگسارت بکنیم ولی اگه همه چیزای سیاسی خودت و زن تو بگی ما تو رو آزادت میکنیم اینو معمولا فریب میده و قسم هم میخورن که ما این فیلم ها رو پخش نمیکنیم فقط ما میخوایم اینا رو داشته باشیم برای اطلاعات خودمون برای اینکه وقتی سیامک فهمید که پخش شده سیامک از اون موقع گیواب کرد So you are in the States at this point. Yes. Yeah. And you, he is sentenced to be in jail yeah. on these trumped up charges for uh, convictions for years. They, yes. for, they say, yes. first they say eight years or yes. 10 years or something. Yes. No, for uh, three years he was inside jail, not just one jail, some jail that uh, um, so far... ما نمیدونیم اصلا کدوم جیل بوده خودش هم نمیدونست اینا انقدر زندان های غیر قانونی و شکنجگاه دارن <تصفيق> که خودش هم نمیدونست کجاها بوده <تصفيق> تا یه چهار ماه اون رو آزاد کردن برای اینکه به علت خیلی کارهایی که ما بیرون از ایران میکردیم سه تا کشور اروپایی فشار ورده بودن فکر میکنم انگلیس و فرانسه و همون هلند یا ستای دیگه بوده اینا سیامک آزاد کردن به دروغ بعد وادارش کردن که شکایت هایی رو که من کرده بودم از اینکه غیر قانونی بوده دستگیریش اونا رو از آمریکا شکایت میکرد از آمریکا به ایران شکایت میکردم اینا یه چیزای دیگه شما خسته میشین اگه آدم بخواد بگه مکانیزم های بود اون موقع آه آه. که مثلا بهش میگفتن اصل نود قانون اس کمیسیون اصل 90 قانون اساسی من مرتب با آقای کروبی در تماس بودم که اون موقع مجلس ششم بود اصلاح طلبات اون مجلس رفته بودن و میخواستم برگردم آقای کروبی میگفت برنگرد میخواستم به وسیله خانم طالبانی اومده بود امریکا یادداشت نوشتم براشون فرستادم شفاهی جواب منو دادن که آقای خاتمی که اصلا شما این طرف ها پیداد نشه چون ما نمیتونیم کمک بهت بکنیم پیش آقای ظریف رفتم گفتم شما من امنیت بدین من برم ایران حداقل فرودگاه منو نگیرن برای اینکه فایدهش چیه من دیگه برای سیامک که نمیتونم دیگه کاری بکنم آقای ظریف هم گفت متاسف نه یا نه, نه اینجا بود نیویورک بود اون موقع گفت به شما گفت که نه گفت میتونی بری ولی فرودگاه میگیرنت این شخصا آقای ظریف من گفتم من باید برم آقای ظریف برای اینکه یه زندگی متلاشی شده بچه های منم دارن دیوونه میشن اونم که اونجا تنها مونده گفت خب برو میگیرنت بعد من سعی میکنم ساپورتت کنم خب گفتم اینم که نشد این 
به درد ما نمیخوره چون این دو تا دختر جوان و تینیجر من از بین میره به هر حال خیلی سعی کردم خودشون از درون کشور میگفتن نه But what would you have been able to do if you were there? Yeah, you are right. You are right. But I cannot, you know, I cannot. Uh, this ends quite myself. It ends quite uh, tragically in 2011. How, how do you tell us how you found out the news or what? what? Just uh, Lily was on phone with him. Your daughter Lily. Yeah, my daughter Lily from Canada, from Toronto, because. We had organized everything for leaving Iran illegally. For him to leave Iran. Mm-hmm. 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 And it was very safe because from Iqlim Kurdistan and everything was, you know, mm-hmm. and the hospital was, uh, you know, ready uh, for Iqlim Kurdistan. نمیتونست تحمل بکنه به هر حال من معتقدم که خودکشی کرد ولی معتقدم که این خودکشی به علت فشارهای منتالی بود که به هر حال از طرف حکومت برش تحمیل شد از طرف امنیتی ها و اینکه ولش نمیکردن دائما میرفتن سراغش و دیگر اینکه از اینکه آمده بود و علیه به هر حال من دوستانش حرف زده بود اون شرم از این اقرار اجباری یه شرم خیلی آزاردهندهیه و همه اینا دست به دست تنها موند و بسیاری از دوستانش رهاش کردند بعضی از دوستان باهاش بودن منطقه اونها هم بعد از گرفتاری های 88 همه خودشون یه جوری ترسیده بودن و دیگه سراغ سیامک نمی رفتن واقعیتش اینه و سیامک تنها راهی که خودش حس کرده بود براش باقی مونده همون بود که انجام داد و به هر حال برای ما خیلی سخت بود به هست هنوز مخصوصا برای دخترای من احساس میکنن هیچ وقت نتونستن به پدرشون برسن نتونستن کمکش کنن اما گمان میکنم کار تاریخی مهم میکرد سیامک یعنی نشون داد که این آدمایی که میان و تأیید میکنن جمهوری اسلامی جلوی تلویزیون اینا آدمای گرفتاری هستن خیلی زیر ضربه بودن و خب این کارش اعتراض بود اعتراض خیلی با صدای بلند بود یعنی خیلی صدای این اعتراض بلندتر از این بود که مثلا صد تا قرص میخورد و میمرد این خیلی س... یعنی صدای تاریخی داره از نظر هیومن رایتس And that's why I think that if I didn't leave Iran, probably something happened different with that. But you can't, yeah, you can't. How, how do you... No, I'm talking honestly with you. I know you are. 
but I'm and I'm t- talking honestly back and saying you, that's the, the, the it's unfair to yourself to think that you could have done something. Yeah. I mean, there's a 40 year history of this regime acting in lawless ways, and to think that if you had stayed in Iran, somehow you would have magically made things differently. It's yeah. it's. Um, yeah, you can see my picture in this uh, some film from I don't know uh, 42 years ago. You can see that I, I was talking, I was very young, but I was talking about the situation of Iran, about the censorship, about it. So I was Hamishiman Beharhol Sedodoshta. I had voice. You still have a voice. Yeah. But it this voice is not powerful, like like voice that we had inside Iran. You never, you know... Uh, I'm going to ask you about that. that but I won't keep you here forever, by the way. I know mm-hmm. this has been going long, but I will, I'll ask you about that in a second. But just on this note of all you've been through, uh, every time I see you, mm-hmm. in on you're on television or you're doing, you're making an appearance, you, you're so composed. You don't seem emotional. You don't, I mean, you really hold yourself together. How, how how have you learned to be so, um, how did this, all of this not crush you? I mean, do you have moments at home where you just go into a corner of a room and, and cry and you don't let the world see it? <laughs> really? I mean, you've been through a lot. Yeah, this is my nature. You know, sometimes, sometimes something is nature. Nothing else. Strength is your nature? <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I am very sad, but nobody can uh, feel that. They were saying that, oh, she is smiling. And why not? Why don't you let people see that? This is my nature. Hmm. A moment ago when you said um, you think you could have done more in Iran, um, do, do, do you believe... Activists like yourself and others who have been bravely speaking out in the diaspora, outside of Iran, have been able to affect change in, inside in, 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 in Iran in, in recent years? I mean, I, a lot of people are trying outside of Iran, but based on what you've just been saying, you think that the change has to come from within. This is a very difficult question. We cannot predict of Iran because everything is very complicated. It's not, you know, Roshani, Sarihnist. In Hukumat, really pichidas, really complicated. Alon, really silah daste, aslahe daste, javunoye ke zaruratan nawayad bud. Mazaman shah ya hamchin chizi nadashtim. In Moshkila, Dorostaunam ye Hukumat, really monsajemi bud. Ye daskoye etelati dosh, sato daskoye etelati ke nadashk. ساواکو داشت مثلا فرض کن هر چقدر هم بخوان بگن یه ساواکو میگن هیچ وقت شما شنیدی مثلا بگن ما ده تا ساواک داشتیم یه تونه ساواک داشتیم کارهای بعد هم زیاد کرد این حکومت حکومتیه که اصلا اصلا برای مردم ارزشی قائل نیست یعنی برای شهروند برای سیتیزن ارزشی قائل نیست فقط برای اینکه خودشو خیلی قلدر نشون بده فقط یعنی همش همینه غیر از این نیست آقای خامنه ای که اومد خب همه فکر کردن حالا شاید بالاخره یه 
درسای از اون یکی کارای بد اون یکی گرفته باشه ما الان داریم میبینیم دیگه مرگش نگرانی داره من که معلوم نیست این همه آدمی که نشستن که بیان سر جای این قدرت های قدرت هایی رو بیان تصاحب بکنن همشون هم اسلحه دارن همشون هم کانون های قدرت سیاسی هستن داری. اینا چجوری با هم گلاویز میشن و ای کاش قبل از مرگ ایشون یه اتفاقی در ایران میافتاد که ما شاهده Do you actually think the way the Islamic Republic treats مثلا political prisoners, prisoners of conscience we see the execution still happening Do you think it's actually worsened in recent years? یعنی بدتر شده اصلا بله بدتر شده ببینید دهه اول انقلاب ما باید کنار بذاریم چون اون کشدار دستجات سیاسی بود این دسته های چپ دسته های نمیدونم مجاهدین اینایی که پرچم داشتن فلاگ داشتن میگفتن ما مثلا همشون هم در انقلاب ساپورتر خمینی بودن و بعد خب میخواستن یه سهم از قدرت داشته باشن مهمترین دعوایی که وجود داشت این بود که این سازمان ها میگفتن خب این انقلاب همه ما هندل کردیم نمیدونم هدایت کردیم پس همه ما باید تو قدرت باشیم وقتی خمینی معلوم شد که زیر عباش چیه خب شروع کرد اینا رو کشتن اینا هم اینا مقاوم بودن اینا هم دست مثل ما نبودن که بگن حالا ما میاییم و مثلا نمیدونم مقاله مینویسیم و نقد میکنیم و زندگی جامعه مدنی درست میکنیم و اینو اصلا میخواستم در قدرت بیان و خب خیلی هم با ظالمانه اینا رو حذف کردن غیر از اون دهه شما بعدن میبینین که وضعیت کمی بهتر شده <تصفيق> کمی بهتر شده مثلا قبل از اینکه اون اصلاحات شروع بشه با همه اینکه نتایجش خیلی گرفتاری های دیگه به وجود بود ولی مثلا ما کیهان رو میگرفتیم اطلاعات رو میگرفتیم تو صفحه های لایی شما جورنالیسی میدونی اهمیت بی اهمیتی چیزی که تو صفحه های لایی یه جای کوچولو نمشته بود دیروز سی نفر در زندان اوین سی ضد انقلاب ادام شدن تمام ولی بعد از اینکه خاتمی رو مردم واقعا اووردن با اون کار عجیب رای دادنشون هرچی سکولار بود هرچی لایک بود هرچی هنرمند بود آرتیست بود رفتن بهش رای دادن بعد از اون ما یک دوران بهتری رو شاهدیم منطقه زیر کنترل زیر کنترل ولی من جز به کسانی بودم که قبل از اصلاحات کار میکردم یعنی شیش سال قبل از اصلاحات من کارم شروع کردم و من حذف نمیشدم اگر که ما وارد اصلاح طلب ها میدونین بدون تردید آدم اون موقع وارد این قبیله میشد برای اینکه یه خورده بیشتر مردم دوستشون داشتن اون اول مردم دوستشون داشتن و بعد هم مردم دوستشون نداشتن برمانی ما هم دنبال اونایی بودیم که به هر حال فضای مطبوعاتی خیلی باز شده بود نه صد درصد ولی خیلی باز شده بود مردم از ساعت چهار سوم میرفتن دم پیشخون روزنامه ها صف میکشیدن تاریک بود هوا که روزنامه مبادا تموم بشه این هرگز در تاریخ ایران سابقه نداشت پس بنابراین آره دوران مختلف بهتر و بدتر شدن هیومن رایتس داریم خب بحث هستهی بود 
بحث وقتی که اینا اعلام کردن که ما داریم البته من نمیدونم میگن مجاهدین خلق اول اینا رو لو دادن و بعد اینا مجبور شدن بیان بگن و عضو آژانس شدن و بعد اروپا هم دنبال روی کرد از امریکا در تحریم ها بنابراین یه ریزه ما مثلا امیدی که داشتیم به اروپا که یه خورده نگوتیشن میکرد فقط هیومن رایتس کار دیگه نمیکرد اونا رو هم ما از دست دادیم برای اینکه اروپا هم اومد دنبال امریکا طبعا غرب نمیخواد ایران غنی سازی داشته باشه از اون به بعد دیگه اینا لج با دنیا رو بیشتر پیش بردن و دائما هم گفتن چه حقوق بشری که ما رو تحریم کردن و نمیدونم از این حرفایی که واقعا بی ارزشه ولی برای حکومت ظالم برای حکومت که میخواد پوپولیستی عمل بکنه و کار بکنه طبیعتا این نعمت بود اینا نعمت بود که همونطور که خمینی گفت جنگ نعمت بود راستم گفت برای خودشون نعمت بود این تحریم ها هم برای اینکه اینا بمونن نعمت بود چون خودشون مظلوم در دنیا جلوه دادن ولی after all this you're still hopeful میدونی چرا میگم because you're still speaking out If you weren't, if you didn't believe there was any hope, you would stop. Sure, perhaps. But sometimes when I'm talking with myself, I judge myself that I am addicted. Uh-huh. Well, this is, I, and I'll just ask a couple more questions before I let you go. But on this question, I wanted to ask you, because, you know, when it comes to the human rights struggle for uh, in Iran, mm-hmm. it's not... You know, there's people who fight for things and they can accomplish them. And this is not going to end anytime soon. This is an ongoing struggle. And as you know, people are exhausted. I mean, even when we do a show like uh, the one we did focused on Nasri and So Today, we get feedback from the, some of the audience saying, we don't want to listen to this anymore. We just want happy things, you know. You've had this long career in law. You were on the front lines of taking governments to task before and after the revolution. You've always been vocal. You've always been fighting for freedom. But there's the death of your husband, the, the, all that you've been through, the, 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 the personal struggles you've had, your, the health issues. Uh, you keep persisting. Yeah. No, it's okay now. No one would blame you if you say, okay, you know what? Now <laughs> I'm on a... Now, now it's beachside for And the rest of I the... That's why I say I'm addicted. <laughs> What are you addicted to? I don't know. Because yes, you know. You're the smartest person I know. That? You know. What, you, what is it you're addicted to? Wanting, to? wanting to create change? How you guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on to you. <laughs> But you're, we're laughing. But this is... I, I am... amazed at the energy that you continue to have for doing such difficult work. Yeah, but now it is getting hard to me. Working. Working. Because I think we need something more than talking and writing. 
for changing them. And we don't have any tool for that. Hmm. I don't know what's that. We cannot say the United States come and save us. How? This is Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Syria. And we cannot ignore of supporting by uh, Western countries. We cannot ignore that. You know, everything is full of conflict in our mind. How do you react to the fact that our community, especially outside of Iran, is so divided about the answers to how to fix things? We cannot, we cannot, we cannot have a very uh, unified, clear and uh, unified answer. We cannot. Why can we not? I mean, oh, you because, mean... Because opposition of this government inside and outside Iran is divided. Yes. It's yes. not united, not united um, at all. Just united in one issue. They are not united, either in one issue. They cannot close to each other very much. We need that. We cannot close human rights organization, Iranian human rights organization, united, believe me. Either yeah, human you rights human rights organizations we can't agree on. No, they can't هم نمیچسبن اگه خیلی بخوای دنبال کنی اون میگه اون مال جمهوری اسلامی اون میگه اون مال نمیدونم خب چطوری اینو کنیم اون مال استیت دیپارتمنت پول میگه استیت دیپارتمنت به پروژهایی داره مثلا پول میده به کسایی که پروپوزال میدن برای فرض کن سیویل سوسایتی خب پس چه جوری باید کار کرد درون ایران هم که سرکوب هست به هر حال شما چیزی یونایتدی پیدا نمی کنی. حتی هیومن رایتس اکتیویست ها سازمان ها حالا اکتیویست ها انقدر مهم نیست که این همه سازمان داری اینا هم کنار هم قرار نمی گیرن تبدیل کنم خودشون رو به یک جنبش جنبش حقوق بشری حالا از آوتساید ایران باشه باش. ولی خودشون رو تعریف کنن به عنوان یک یه دونه فقط یه دونه جریان حقوق بشری که با هم راه میرن اون سازمان خودشو میخواد اون سازمان خودشو میخواد بگه اون یه آش شل قلمکاریه راستشه بود نمیدونم شل قلمکار خوردی یا نه خیلی خوشمزه خیلی خوشمزه ولی خوشمزه at least it tastes good uh, I, I am so honored that you've taken the time that you, you have to, to, to talk about your personal journey, to talk about some very difficult issues. Um, and I, it, it is such a stroke of luck that you haven't been in Washington, D.C., that you've, you're here in Toronto, that we could mm-hmm. do this in person. It was my pleasure. If I, can, if I were to ask a final question, I might say, you know, it's been 20 years that you've been exiled Mm-hmm. Um, from uh, the country that uh, of my ancestry, but that a place that I never lived in, but you did for many years. Uh, what what do you miss the most 
about Iran. My office, my very small office. That's it. You not, just want to be in your office else. working. Yeah, because that that was my ID, identity. That very small office. I had been in very beautiful office in the United States, at Harvard, at Brown University, and I don't know, everything that you were... The long list of your <laughs> the accomplishments? The long list that you were... <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. it's quite yeah. incredible. No, yeah. no, just my office that is sold now, it's not me, mm-hmm. but in my mind, I am sitting in my office in Tehran, Meidan Haftetir, Khiyaban Qa'em Maqam Farahani, Kuche Yekom, Shumare Yebist, Tabaqe Yedu. That's it. Iran Bariman Hamne. Yani Hamichis was Miyad Tuy Hamin office. John, in office, همه چیزای زندگی من هم بچه ها می اومدن که بچه بودن اونجا آزاده اونجا مشق می نوشت خبرنگار های خارجی می اومدن اونجا سفارت خونه های اروپایی دائما با من در تماس بودن از تمام رادیوها با من در تماس بودن کلاینت های من هم که مثلا محکوم به داشتن می شدن به سنگسار استونینگ یا به ادام یا به شلاق اونا هم اونجا بودن سیامک هم گاهی می اومد پس بنابراین من همه چیزم پنجاه متر جاز و اون دفتری که از من گرفتن و برای همین هیچ وقت نمی بخشمش من هم از شما That's an interview with Mehrangiza Kar in the Rook studio, part of our Best of Rook series. This is full time for Rook for today. Tune into the Best of Rook every Monday and Thursday for all of August. For all things Rook related at any time of day or night, head to our website, rookmedia.com, R-O-Q-E media.com, where you can also support us by pressing the support us button and find all of our programming, including the Contemporary History of Iran series. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Super Parisa, Smart Pega, Savvy Rohan, Bearded Omid, Talented Anahita, and Sound Person Louise. Thank you to all of you out there supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you've not done so already. You can find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. And in the meantime, as ever, Mizu Bashi.